Good morning, Edinburgh. Hey, it's good to be here with you. Um, way to go, just making it out to church. If you're watching online, I want to say glad you're, you're tuned in as well. Uh, and if you're newer to Edinburgh, maybe this is your first time, or maybe you've been here for a few weeks, I want, just, want you to know we're so glad to, to have you here. Uh, I know it can be intimidating stepping into a church for the first time, so, so we're glad that you had the courage to do that. I think you'll find us to be a loving, welcoming uh, community. Our mission is we simply want to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, which means we want to see people come to know Jesus and live in a relationship with Jesus, and we want to see them grow in that relationship uh, with Jesus Christ. That, that is the passion, that is the mission, and that is for all people. Everybody is welcome here at Edinburgh. We don't care how you're dressed, by the way, all right? We're just glad you're wearing something. So <laughs> if this is your first time, just know we're, we're so glad uh, you're here with us. We're, we're in a series uh, right now called What You Really Want. What You Really Want. You know, Christmas is a great time for exchanging gifts, and that's fun and all, but really the things you really want in life, the things that are actually going to enrich your life and make your life better can never be found in a box. It's never going to be found underneath a Christmas tree. It's not something you unwrap. But God's word has a lot to say about how we can have the things we really want in life. Like slowing down so that we can spend more time with the people that God has put in our lives. You know, study after study has shown they've talked to people on their deathbed. If you could do it all over again, what would you do again? And people have all said the same thing. They, they didn't say, I want more material things. They said, I wish I would have spent more time with the people in my life. Next week, we're going to talk about having a more courageous faith. That, that's what you really want. A courageous faith, less fear in your life, and living the exciting adventure that God calls us all to. And then after that, we're going to talk about living a life of impact, having more purpose in your life. That's, that's what we really want. And this morning, the, the title is Peace with Others. How, how can we have more peace in our relationships with, with, other, uh, with other people? We live in a culture of conflict and cr criticism. Uh, it, it might be in our families. It might be at school. Uh, we see it even <laughs> on the road. We talk about things like battling traffic. For some of you, just pulling into your garage after a long day of work, right? That's your safe haven where you can finally just kind of let down. The conflict even on the road. We see it a lot online these days. You know, chat forums and social media, those kinds of things. In fact, there's something called Twitter beef. I don't even really know what Twitter beef is, <laughs> but people basically being at conflict with one another online. I just talked with someone recently uh, who went through a, a pretty messy divorce uh, and had to fight to get custody uh, of, of the children, uh, but the ex is, is just making it a nightmare for this person. Things like waking up and finding their tires slashed uh, as this person takes vengeance. And I know to some degree, some of you might even be in a place like that this morning. For others of you, it, it's a friend. It was a close friend, and, and something was said, something was done. You don't even necessarily know what it was, but there's conflict there now, and you feel like you've lost a really good friend. Some of you, it might be at work, it might be at school, conflict with somebody like a bully, something like that. And then, of course, there's marriage. 
just a, a couple months ago, my wife was opening up uh, in, in, uh, some mail. When she, she did this, she, she, she went, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. She won't say gosh because that's too close to God. So she says, oh my goodness. And she just kept saying it over and over. Oh my goodness. I said, honey, what is it? She said, you forgot to pay a bill on time. And we just got slapped with a huge late fee. Oh my goodness. Well, now fast forward a couple weeks later. I'm going online paying off some of our bills, and I find that there's a bill she didn't pay on time. I looked right at her and I said, Oh my goodness. Oh, my goodness. She said, this has got to be a mistake. We've never been late before. I'm going to call them up. I'm going to get this late fee taken off. She calls them up. I am praying to God that they are not going to waive this late fee. I don't care if it costs us $100. She sweet talks them. Mrs. Hall, this is your first and only time to be late, so we're going to make a courtesy and waive the late fee. Where is the justice? I don't know. But there is conflict even in our, even in our marriages, you know, uh, especially when it comes to finances. I'm sure no one, married couples in here can relate to that. But um, how do we deal with conflict in our lives? How do we tend to deal with conflict? Let me give you a few ways. Some of us, were avoiders. We, we just try to avoid conflict, you know. Um, and, and so we don't want to directly deal with it, so we turn to things like the silent treatment. Some of us get very passive-aggressive. Uh, but we don't want to hit it head on. Others of us are spewers. Okay, this, the, if you're a spewer, you just try to out-talk the other person. You just, whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your mind, you just say it and you try to overpower uh, the, the other person. Oftentimes saying things that you later, you know, re regret. But if you do that, you, you're, you're probably a spewer. And then there's the wor worriers. The, the worriers are those who, who are... They're worried that they're going to disappoint or upset somebody. And they lose sleep at night thinking, did I upset someone? Or worrying about that, that conflict with, with somebody else. And if I were to be honest, I've been one of all three of these at various times in my life. But not only do we lose sleep over conflict in our life, according to health experts, uh, conflict-related stress is one of the number one causes of sickness. It, it actually affects your physical health. Uh, there was a recent article by the New York Times uh, about a study that Ohio State College of Medicine uh, did. They took newlywed uh, couples and had them talk about potentially volatile issues in their marriage, things such as uh, household chores, intimacy, finances, in-laws, you know, these kinds of things. While they were talking about these things, their blood was being drawn. So a little creepy here, right? But what they found as they talked is the more they began to talk about their conflict, the more their immune system declined. And so they found there is a direct correlation between conflict and your, your health. Another study done at the University of Utah, done by psychologist uh, Timothy Smith. Uh, Smith studied couples who had been married for over 30 years and he found that the more unresolved conflicts that they had in their, their marriage, the more likely they were to contract a heart disease. 
Smith concluded that unresolved conflict is just as unhealthy for you as a regular smoking uh, habit. What do you think God thinks about this? You know, God is a perfect God. He is a loving Father. He loves you. The Bible says, I was just reading this week, he, he rejoices over you. He sings over you. And so how do you think he feels when he looks down and he sees his children having unresolved conflicts in their life and it's affecting even their health? They're not sleeping. They're getting sick because of all of the conflict in their life. We shouldn't be surprised that his, the Bible has a lot to say on, on how we resolve conflict. God wants us to know how to resolve conflict in our, in our lives uh, because he knows this is a problem. Uh, and so that's the question I want to answer this morning. How can you and I resolve conflict in godly, healthy ways? How can you resolve conflict in, in your life in a way that honors God and is healthy for your life? So if you have a handout, maybe you want to follow along, take some notes this morning. But here's the first thing. If possible, live at peace. You know, if, if possible, live at peace. We're going to be looking at uh, Romans 12 this morning. Uh, what I'm talking about is based on Romans 12. Maybe you even want to read that chapter for yourself this week. But in verse 18 of Romans 12, the Apostle Paul says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, I just want you to notice something. He doesn't say as far as it depends on your spouse, or as far as it depends on your coworker, he says, as far as it depends on you. And I just want to break this passage down a little bit. He says, as far as it depends on you. It, what he's saying here is, means you have to do your part. You've got to be willing to do your part when it comes to conflict. You can't avoid conflict. Some of us think if we just avoid it, the problem will go away and there will be peace. But really, that just brings a pseudo kind of peace, not a true, lasting kind of peace. It also means you need to be quick to apologize and, and, and say, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that thing I said. I'm sorry for, for what I did. I'm sorry for my, my behavior. Let me just ask you the question, when was the last time you apologized to someone? Has it been weeks? Has it been months? Maybe some of you can't even remember. Listen, Bible's clear. We are all imperfect people who desperately need God's grace in our life. Probably means we're going to have to say sorry from time to time. And I just wonder, when was the last time you had to say sorry to, to maybe a parent, or maybe it was to a kid, or maybe it was to a coworker? You know, th this is something that helps us to do our part simply by apologizing when, when we, we create and stir up conflict. I was doing some research on this in the scriptures this week, and I found that Proverbs has a lot to say about uh, conflict. In fact, uh, Proverbs 29, 22 says this, as an angry person stirs up conflict, and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. Notice that, an angry person. Are you dealing with anger these days? Is that, is that a is that a problem for you? Maybe some of you say, yeah, I know. I don't know how it happened, but I've become an angry, bitter person, and I see that in my life. Let me just tell you, there's hope for you. The fact that you see that, the fact that you're aware of that means there is hope that I think with prayer and maybe you seek out a godly friend, 
pull aside a pastor or something like that and ask for some prayer, I think in time, might not be next week, but God can get rid of that anger in, in your heart. But it, 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 anger has a way to stir up conflict. Maybe some of you, you don't realize there is anger in your heart. Other people in your life see it. Other people are aware of it. If you're not, it probably means there's going to be some conflicts, unnecessary conflicts in your life. Proverbs 29, 22 says, or uh, Proverbs 16, 28, rather, a perverse person stirs up conflict. Saying here that when our heart isn't aligned with, with God's spirit, when our heart isn't aligned with God's word, there's just going to be more of a tendency for us to create conflict with others. And I can attest to this. Before I became a believer in Jesus Christ, my heart was perverse. I had all kinds of thoughts that wouldn't line up with God's spirit, and there were just more conflicts in my life as real. As a result, even when I became a believer, though, you know, I didn't get straightened out overnight. It took years to align my heart with God's Spirit and God's Word. And I look back, and even as a Christian, some of the things that I did and said to people and some of my behavior that created conflicts are things that I regret to this day. This is very true, that when our heart is perverse, it's not right before God. We tell inappropriate jokes. We, we love to use the four-letter words. I mean, it's an indicator something is off. In, in our heart. And you're probably going to be a person who, who stirs up conflict. He also says, in a gossip separates close friends. But I want you to see uh, Proverbs 28, 25 as well. It says, the greedy stir up conflict. The greedy stir up conflict. But those who trust in the Lord will prosper. Now, if you're a greedy person, a selfish person, and it's always about you, and you're a taker, and you never give, probably going to create some conflicts in the relationships around you. I, I want you to notice something. I want you to notice this repetitive pattern. A blank person stirs up conflict. If you're an angry or perverse or greedy or selfish person, you're probably going to stir up conflict in the relationships around you. If you are around somebody who is angry, perverse, Greedy and selfish, you're, 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 you're going to probably have, have conflict in your life. So what do you do about that? I love what uh, Paul says in Titus 3.10. He says, as for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, listen to this, have nothing more to do with him. Wow, that, that is an <laughs> interesting passage in Scripture. Now let me just give a caveat to this. This isn't talking about within the context of marriage, okay? Because, because God said that what Jesus said, what God has brought together, let no one se separate. And I, so I just encourage you, do your best to not divorce, all right? Get, get help. Get help from a counselor, from a pastor, and do your best uh, not to divorce. But he is saying that if there is a person in an organization or in our life that is constantly stirring up conflict, warn them once, warn them twice, uh, it, but then have nothing more to do with this. Henry Cloud, uh, author uh, Henry Cloud, who, who wrote the book Power of the Other, he struggled with this text because he said it sounds so harsh. I'm supposed to warn someone once and then twice and then have nothing more to do with that person. But he went on to write about this, this verse. He said, I learned something. Divisive people cause more harm than whatever good things they bring are worth. What he's saying is if in your organization, at your job, 
if there's a person who's a good performer, but they create conflict, the negatives are always going to outweigh the positives. He said the real issue is that people who habitually do this, they are not willing to look at themselves and try to resolve things. In other words, they're not willing to do their, their part. He says instead they prefer to get people to side with them and agree with them rather than create unity and resolution. So you know it's that person who, who likes to get people to side with them and gossip about the other group. And so it's like I don't want to be the person who has to say anything about that guy over there, but you need to know this. And you see how conflicts and divisions, how they happen. But he ends by saying this. I can't count the number of ugly situations I've been called to that finally resolved after the boss asked the divisive troublemaker to leave. Question, how much conflict do you have in your life these days? Maybe it's with a family member. We just came out of Thanksgiving, and so maybe it's a brother or a sister, and you'd say, yeah, yeah, there's some conflict in my family. And then you go to work, and there's conflict you know, with a boss or a coworker, You might need to pull aside a godly friend or a pastor or a counselor and ask that person to help you to become a peacemaker rather than a conflict creator. Because Paul says this in verse 18, again, he says, if it is possible, live at peace with who? Everyone. Everyone. You know, not just the people who agree with you. Not just the people who share your values. Not just Christians. He says, with everyone, we ought to, if possible, live at peace. But don't, don't miss that as well. He said, if it is possible. You know, there are just some people it is impossible to, to live at peace with. That, that is true. And so if there is conflict in your family, it doesn't mean you are necessarily doing anything wrong. That, that's, pretty, that's pretty normal. But if possible, as much as it's up to you, do your part to live at peace with others. The second thing that we learn from Romans 12 is never repay evil with evil. In verses 20 and 21, Paul says, if, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Question, who is your enemy these days? Who is that person? When you hear their name, anger. <laughs> you feel it rise up in, in, in your heart. Who is that person that if something bad happened to them, you know, you'd be, you'd be happy about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you to do something this week that's going to make some of our stomachs turn a little bit. I want to challenge you to do something good to that person. And you say, I don't want to do something good to that person. Of course you don't. Uh, of course you don't. This is, it's not natural for us uh, to, to want to feed our enemy. Rather, we don't want to feed our enemy and say, see, I, I told you so. But the Bible, and, and Jesus specifically say, never repay evil with evil, but rather pray for that person. Help that person. James says it this way, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. 
You know, he's saying that we need to be quick to listen. And we need to be slow to do a couple things. We need to be slow to speak. And we need to be slow to, to become angry so that there's not angry responses coming out of them. Because all that does is create more conflict. You know, an area where I tend to, I can fly off the handle and uh, easily get angry is when it comes to competition, uh, especially like my kids' sports. I, I hate to admit this to you, but I am one of those annoying dads who gets angry at the ball game. And it drives my wife crazy. Like this past year, uh, my son was playing baseball, and he was up the bat, and nothing like causes me to become more tense that when my son is up to bat, it feels like his entire future is hanging in the balance. And I know that's absurd. Okay, but that's how it feels. And this umpire, I mean, this ball went over his head. It was called a strike. And then there was one that went right at his knees. It was called a strike. I'm like, these aren't strikes. And then the next one went high as well. And he was strike. And he, so he struck out looking, and I lost it. Now, I wasn't, I'm not so annoying that I say all this out loud to where everyone can hear it, but I was saying it, like, to Danielle, like something is wrong with this ump. You know, if he grew an eye, he'd be a cyclops, right? Like, he needs to get some glasses. I, it, was, it was this kind of thing. And I was just bitter, and I was grumpy because Logan struck out, and finally Danielle had enough. And so she picked up the chair, put Callie in the wagon, and actually moved. She said, I can't deal with this. And, and moved, relocated to the other side of the seats, leaving me all by myself. And of course, the people, the parents in the, in the stands, they're seeing this happen. They're like, isn't that the pastor's family? <laughs> oh, trouble in paradise. Um, and I'm just sitting there like, God, she's at fault. Like, she doesn't care about our son's future. His major league baseball contract is at stake here. Fourth grade baseball, all right? Finally, I realized I was being a fool, and uh, so I got up, and I just took a walk. I, that was the best thing I could do. I just needed to get away, took a walk, and finally came over and just had to apologize to Danielle for being an idiot, all right? But not before I shaved three years off of my life for a fourth grade baseball game, all right? You see what James is saying here. You know, he's saying, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires in us. Angry responses never resolve the conflict or bring peace. Angry responses never make anything right. That's why I love Proverbs 15.1. Maybe this will be helpful for some of you. It's been helpful for me over the years. It says, a gentle answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger. Telling us here to, to give a gentle answer can just help resolve conflicts. A gentle answer, like I can't, you know, I can tell you're, you're really upset about that. Please, tell me more. Like help me to understand, you know, how you feel about that. You know, things like, why don't you shut your face? That was a trick. I was just trying to see if you were paying attention. All right, don't use that one, okay? But isn't that what we tend to do? Someone says something harsh to us, and then we want to retaliate, and we want to say something harsh back, and then, we, and then the other person says something harsh back, and the energy builds, and the situation, the conflict, it escalates. 
until someone is willing to break the cycle by giving a gentle answer. Something like, hey, tell me why you feel that way. You know, I, I, I'm sorry for what I said. I'm sorry for my behavior. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have acted that way. Sometimes it's just as simple as giving a person a hug to resolve, you know, the, the conflict. I can't tell you how helpful this verse has been in my life as a, as, a, as a husband, as a father, as a leader. Because now whenever I'm standing across from someone who's upset or stressed out, I have trained my brain, and it does require training your brain, because this doesn't come natural to any of us, to simply listen and to give a gentle answer, to try to diffuse the situation as much as possible, almost like a, a balloon that you're just letting air out. You know, let that person, just let that air out of that balloon. Tell me more so that there can be, so that then we can start working on the issue and there can be, there can be peace. Maybe that would serve some of you well this, this week, just to train your brain to give a gentle answer, but don't repay evil for evil, okay? Now, how do we do these, these first two things we've talked about? Well, I think this last one is so important for us. This is what enables us, honestly, to be able to do these first two we've talked about. You've got to leave room for God. You've got to leave room for God. This verse that I'm going to show you next, it's not a verse that you're ever going to find in a Hallmark card or on a Christian coffee mug, okay? But this is what Romans 12, 19 says. It says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Interesting. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. I was thinking about it this week. Do you guys remember that game Whack-A-Mole? You would have like this hammer and these little creatures would pop up, a mole, and you would pop and then another one would pop up and then you would try to hit it and try to hit as many times as possible. That's what some of us are constantly doing. We get criticized by someone and so we whack them with the hammer. And then someone says, I don't think you handled that well. And, oh, and then, so then we whack them. And then someone says, I don't think you're leading that project very well. And then we whack them. And we're just constantly whacking everyone. You know, some of us, we're doing this online with things that we see people posting. I just had a friend recently, you know, this is someone I went to high school with, not a Christian. He posted something online bashing Christians. And he was using fringe elements of, of Christianity, those churches that most of us don't even think are really Christian, as his argument why, you know, so much is wrong with Christianity. And I just wanted to lay into him because my friends in the context, they were all new. It was kind of directed at me being a pastor and all that. And I just wanted to lay into this guy. But then the thought occurred to me, God will defend me. <laughs> you know, I don't have to repay this guy. I don't have to take justice in my own hands. I can trust God with this. Friends, listen to this. Deuteronomy 32.4, the Lord is your mighty defender, perfect and just in all his ways. Your God is faithful and true. He does what is right. And fair. Man, what a powerful verse for some of us this morning. Because I know that some of us, we've had some unspeakable acts done to us. I know some of us, there's been abuse. And you can still remember it like it was yesterday. I know some of you, you were bullied. And you can still tell me where you were standing when those horrible things were said to you in front of others. Some of you, you've been lied to 
by someone you thought you could trust, or you've been cheated on by someone you thought you could trust, or you were abandoned by someone that you thought would never leave. And I know that pain is very real for you. But what if this week you were to go before God? And you were to say, God, I'm going to trust you. Vengeance is yours. Because one day that person is going to have to stand before you and give an account of their life. Which means you and I do not have to repay them. You and I don't have to seek revenge. We don't have to avenge ourselves. We can leave room for the vengeance of God. It's why Martin Luther famously said this. He said, pray and let God worry. I like that. He's saying, you can go to God and you can turn those hurts, you can turn those pains, you can turn that person over to God so that your heart can be free. And you can let that grudge go and you can let God do the worrying for you. What if this week you were just to pray, God, I'm tired of holding on to this grudge, and I don't want to hold on to it any longer. I want peace. That's what I really want. And I believe that's what we all really want, is peace. I just wonder if this week there's some of us that need to pray that prayer. You just need to go before God this week and just turn it over to God and ask God to carry it for us. So that we can experience that freedom in our heart. We're going to end this morning uh, by taking communion. And I think this is really appropriate for us in, in light of this topic. Um, the second, we're going to pass the bread. By the way, the bread is gluten-free. We're going to pass the grape juice, non-alcoholic. And so just so you know, uh, there's no alcohol in our grape juice. But that cracker that we're about to eat, it represents the broken body of Christ. And that juice we're going to drink, it represents the blood of Christ poured out for you and me. And, and here's why that's important. Because God was the first peacemaker. The Bible tells us there was a conflict between us and God. But God was willing to take the first step and send his son Jesus into the world. That's what Christmas is all about. He was willing to send Jesus into the world to be the perfect sacrifice. For you and me, by dying on that cross, paying the price for our sin. Why? So that you and I could have our sin removed from us. So that you and I could be set free from our sin and we could come before a holy, holy, holy God and experience peace, eternal, lasting peace with him. Friends, our God is a peacemaker and he desires peace with every one of us this morning. And so as we're taking communion, here, here's where I want to challenge you. Some of you, you just need to draw some strength from God this morning because maybe there's a conflict in your life and you need to step into that and you need to deal with it and quit avoiding it. This could be the morning where you draw some peace from God for that conversation this week. There is power in this act that we're about to do, this communion table. Ask God to give you the strength. I believe he'll give that to you. Others of you, you need some healing this morning. You, you've been carrying on this grudge and you've been hurting and you're angry and you're bitter. Maybe this is the morning where you finally turn it over and you say, God, I'm going to let you worry about that person. 
I'm going to trust you to be my mighty defender. I'm going to trust you to be the one who fights for me because I know you love me. I know you sing over me, God. And then maybe others of you this morning, you need to go to God and you say, God, I've created some conflicts. And first and foremost, I need your forgiveness. You have an opportunity to go before God and pray and ask for his forgiveness. And the guarantee is that through Christ, you will be forgiven. That's good news for all of us. And so I want us to use this time wisely. Let's seek out God in prayer. Let me start by praying for us. I would ask our service to get ready. Oh, Heavenly Father, we take your good news for granted. The fact that you are a peacemaker, what if you weren't? Where would we be? And yet you loved us that much. You sought out a peaceful relationship with people like us. And so God, we give you thanks for that this morning. But we're made in your image, and we would ask, help us to be peacemakers. Help us to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And so Lord, some of us, we need to pray for strength. We're asking right now, give us that strength. Others of us, we need to turn over something to you, a person. We need to let it go. I pray you would help us do that this morning. And others of us, we need to turn from the way we've acted, from some of the things we've said to others. And I pray that we would find peace and forgiveness through Christ this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for what we're about to participate in. We love you and we pray this all in your name. Amen.